Good morning, everybody. This is George Darus of Darus Counseling and DUI Services. Today is April 10th, 2021, a little over one year since the uh, pandemic was announced and uh, states closed, uh, the NBA stopped. Uh, I think it was like the second week of March. Um, so we've made it a little past that and things are starting to return to normal. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> uh, I just want to say today's podcast is in, inspired by uh, Amber. And uh, one of the things uh, that I want to say uh, is that I noticed a lot of clients are so busy and they're so uh, got so much on their schedule of what they got to do to survive, to get by. And I want you to know, I understand this DOI offense is the last thing that you ever needed in your life, right? Um, <clears throat> so one of the things I noticed is some clients are busy working while they're doing my classes, which I have allowed to happen. Uh, because I do believe they're listening and paying attention to, to some degree. But uh, although I don't want to see that, uh, I understand people are just trying to survive and get by. And um, I'm a little different of a counselor, you know. Um, not that we want to give a green light to future clients that you could just do what you want. We want you to pay attention as much as possible and uh, get something out of this class. Um for those that don't know me, I've been treating DUI offenders for 25 years this year. Uh, I've been in the business of uh, addictions, or the field of addictions, I like to call it, for 31 years. Uh, I worked for another company for 11, uh, had a little bit of uh, time off going to school to get my degree in social work, and I broke off on my own and started my business here in Belleville in 2002. I opened up Edwardsville office in 2006, October of 2006. Uh, so we're coming up on our 20-year anniversary, and uh, it's been quite a ride. Uh, my business uh, thrives. I'm one of the primary providers in St. Clair County. Um, <clears throat> my focus is on your health, not just come to DUI classes to learn how to not drink and drive. I think I think all of us consciously know this is against the law. We know that it's not a good thing to do, uh, unless you're, you know, somewhat sociopathic. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, uh, we know this. But the problem with alcohol is it impairs our judgment, right? The first thing that's affected is little as two drinks impair your judgment, or I should say, compromises your judgment, and that's. That's part of the problem, is once my judgment is compromised, I am more likely to do things I normally wouldn't do. Uh, inhibitions are lowered, which leads to risk-taking. When we take risk, we do things uh, that can get us in trouble. <clears throat> and drinking and driving is just one of them. Uh, there are so many other behaviors uh, that can happen when we're intoxicated or impaired. So... I wanted to, to, to let you know that I understand that you have a busy life and that uh, trying to juggle your time with classes, children, I've noticed that some of the uh, women and the men uh, have had kids on their lap while we're doing classes. And for those that don't know this, that are new, we're doing all of our classes on Zoom still. 
And I project that we will continue to do Zoom through the end of the year. I do not envision the state of Illinois telling me to put 25 people in my classroom right away just because everybody's uh, uh, vaccinated or we establish what they call herd immunity with the, uh, with the virus. So <clears throat> I think it might be an option to have some people in the classroom. Some people actually would prefer that. And I am open to doing a hybrid. Uh, I'm prepared for that as soon as the state of Illinois gives me the green light. So how do we juggle our life? How do we take time uh, to for ourselves? Because that's, that's the key here. I'm sitting here Saturday morning, uh, uh, early morning this morning, uh, looking at the rain. And uh, I like to do a lot of outdoor activities. Um, you know, I work a good right now I'm working 10 hour days and I'm working into the weekend sometimes might not be too healthy but I still take the time to go outside and I like to garden and landscape and stuff like that or just take a walk I have a I have a a nice uh, nature uh, area around my house Um, and uh, I take time for myself I have to Uh, I am in recovery and I do not want to drink anymore. I don't want to go back to my old life. And if you've listened to my previous podcast, you'll know about my life. I've talked about that. Uh, but staying sober is a different trick, folks. Getting sober is one thing, and, and, and people do it every day. But staying sober is a completely different task for you to undertake. So um, <clears throat> I'd like to talk about how, how can we take time for ourselves you know, we have jobs. Some people have two jobs. I've known this when I interview you guys and gals. You know, you got children, you got you got uh, problematic spouses or significant others. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there. You know, we're trying to deal with all these stressors. And I cannot emphasize enough what you need to do to slow down. You need to slow down and take time for yourself. I have met some people that have so much anxiety, I can see why they drink. I can completely see why this particular client would want to go out and drink because that's what their peace of mind is. Their peace of mind is to go out and get intoxicated, inebriated, so they don't have to think or they don't have to feel. Those are the two basic reasons why we do these things. Um, Now, well, two basic problematic reasons. I do think that some people who drink enjoy drinking, enjoy the camaraderieship, camaraderieship with being with other men or women. That that I do understand that part. Drinking for stimulation, uh, but those people generally keep it in control. It's when we really want to black out, not necessarily a real blackout, but this blackout block or blockout, I should say. Uh, what we're feeling and what's going on because we're tired. We're tired. And so you have to find time to take care of yourself in a healthy way. If you do not do that, you're going to reach for substances because this country, this country, uh, uh, this wonderful country (laughs) uh, provides us with a menu of choices of things we could do to really harm ourselves, right? We got drugs. We got now we're legalizing marijuana all over the country. I bet you before the uh, I bet you before I don't know another year or two, it's going to be federally decriminalized. It's going to happen. 
There's too much of a movement. Uh, the feds need to get in on the tax money. You know what I mean? Uh, stuff like that. Uh, uh, so we got marijuana. We got alcohol, which has been around forever. And it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's, it, you, I live here in Swansea. And I drive from my office downtown Belleville to my home here. And liquor, liquor, you just see it everywhere. You see five bars. Belleville has bars, taverns everywhere. Uh, then you see it all over the television screen. And then, of course, we have our prescription drug industry. You know, if you don't like the booze, you could go to your doctor and say, you know, I'm just so uptight, and you can get your anxiety pills, and you could get... We have a, a plethora of, uh, of choices, of things that we can do to ease our mind. Uh, the food industry, the food industry actually studies the effects of the food on the brain. And these are the things that stimulate your brain just like drugs. Salt, sugar, fat. And by the way, there's a book by that name. If you're interested in losing weight, check out that book. Uh, I'm diabetic, so I, I like to talk a lot about food too because I get rid of all these drugs, quit smoking. I, let's see, this year is going to be 16 years, something like that, that I haven't smoked. Because uh, I smoked like a fiend when I quit drinking and drugging. That, that, that was, Oh, I could smoke cigarettes? Those are legal, yeah. See what I'm saying? You know, as soon as I quit the other things, then I jumped on the bandwagon and something else. Then I quit smoking, then I started eating. And so now I'm diabetic, so there you go. Uh, so now I got to watch what I eat, you know. I'd love to be able to eat everything I want to eat, but I gain weight too easily. And so I, that's a challenge for me. So we got food that uh, alters our states, right? Uh, we got drugs, we got alcohol, we got nicotine, uh, and then we have the behavioral addictions. In the last couple of weeks, I've had three calls about gambling addiction. I never get calls about gambling addiction. What the hell is going on? And those are the people I had to refer to my therapist friend that has that waiting list. But uh, by the way, on that note, if you do know somebody with a gambling problem, my former employer, Gateway Foundation is now doing gambling addiction uh, counseling. And they are located in Swansea, Illinois. And you could, uh, I, think, I think their phone number is 618-234-9002. I still got that in my memory banks. Uh, I'm very grateful for Gateway Foundation. I know they don't get a lot of great reviews sometimes, but uh, when I went through their program in 1989, they saved my life. Um, and uh, I, then I ended up working for them for 11 years, uh, about two years into recovery. I got laid off from my job and I applied and it was the best thing I ever did. I never thought I was going to get into this field. And uh, so I started to uh, work for them and then I took over their DUI program in 1996. And that's how I got started in the DUI stuff. You know, my, my, my boss who just recently passed, uh, Bob... Um, uh, we lost Bob uh, this this about oh, February, mid-February, um, and I told this story to my group. I don't want to talk about it on the podcast, but uh, he was a dear friend, and he gave me my start. And uh, he, if he would not have handed me the standard operating procedure manual on the DUI program and told me to rewrite it and to redesign it so it was more efficient, uh, I wouldn't be here today. I really, I would, I, you would not have met me. And I am so grateful 
uh, to have had him in my life, and uh, I, he's a sad loss. Um, I think he was 73 years old. Uh, so what was I talking about? <laughs> I lost my track now. I got focused on Bob. Uh, so busy life, taking care of ourselves, altered states. You know, what do we do? And um, these are things where we have to be creative, folks. I don't have the answer for you today. I don't have the absolute. I could tell you stuff that I do, but it may not be appealing to you, right? You have to find your joy in life. You know, life is not all just working all the time and being stressed out. You can take time. You will find time. And I'll tell you why I know you, particularly my clients, can find time. Because you found time to drink, (laughs) right? You found time to do drugs, to get alcohol and escape in your unhealthy ways. Now it's time to replace that time that you spent with something you enjoy. And whatever that may be. And for me, it's people. I love people. I love to talk to people. Uh, And I have normal friends, too. Not everybody I know is in recovery. I have regular, you know, people in my life that I enjoy to talk to. Uh, I do have a lot of recovering people in my life. But whatever you got to do to find some kind of solace and peace of mind, it isn't easy. I will tell you now, it is not easy, but I was 25 when I first got sober. So when I hear young people say, well, what do you do? Isn't it boring? And I go, well, boredom is something that you have to take on and be creative with. You know, boredom, if you're bored and you don't do anything about it, then you're mentally lazy. I mean, I'm sorry to be so direct, but you have to become creative. You have to think of things that will inspire you. Uh, and uh, give you some kind of joy, you know, joy. You know, I, I, I never, ever thought I would know what that feeling was. I just never thought I knew it was. In uh, recovery, uh, I am grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. I am grateful for the therapist in my life that helped me get through hard times. But today I can truly say I feel joy. <clears throat> I've been working very long hours, and... Uh, you know, I still find that time to to basically enjoy the outdoors. That's what I do. I work in an office a lot, so what? It, of course, what do I want to do? I don't want to. I don't want to watch Netflix. I really don't want to watch movies. I'm not a movie buff. I'm not gonna. I don't want to sit in the house. Quite frankly, I just I want to get outside. So in my free time, I like to get outside and do things. Uh, you will never see me on the couch watching football. It's not going to happen. Um, that's not what I do. I want to get outside. Uh, I do like to listen to a game. I do enjoy hockey. I do enjoy that. But that's such a quick game. It's so much better. Uh, so uh, that's that's the sport I do enjoy. And that's usually late at night when I'm done playing in the yard. So uh, what can you do? What can you do to make your life uh, a little more peaceful, uh, particularly after this pandemic pandemic? Uh, this is still devastating. Um, I think we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, you know, as soon as we reach, you know, that herd immunity or whatever, it just is going to be when people can start to pull, take their mask off. I think uh, we're going to be out of the twilight zone. You know, <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. Um I heard on the news recently about this brain fog. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the, they call it a pandemic brain or something like that. 
to where people, you know, just find themselves with the refrigerator door staring at a clove of garlic and they don't know why. <laughs> Something like that, you know? <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, I don't think I get that way, but I, I have had some memory problems. I usually have a pretty good memory, but uh, there's a lot going on. Um, but today, um, what's my plan for today? My plan is, you know, even though I hope it stops raining, but if it doesn't, you know, I got things to do. Uh, around the house, you know, um, I like to fix things. I like to, uh, I like to read. Um, so, you know, there, those are the things I do. They're simple. Of course, I'm old now, folks. So I understand like the young people are thinking like, I'm, I'm not going to sit down and read a book. Uh, maybe you will, you know, maybe you'll find time before you go to sleep or something like that. I like to get up early in the morning and read. Um, that's when I like to do it. So um, I just wanted to put this out there that, uh, you know, stress management requires uh, creativity on your part. Um, <clears throat> so whatever it is that you can find to do is what you need to do. If you truly never want to go through this type of offense again, then you're going to find other alternatives to drinking and uh you're going to find time to uh, consider remaining abstinent and doing whatever you can to remain abstinent. I really think alcohol just gets a free ride in this country. It, it frustrates the hell out of me. I, uh, I know for a fact, I know people that have worked in the alcohol industry, and uh, I have heard things like this. Like they're laugh, They laugh their ass off about the war on drugs. They absolutely love it because all the focus about health problems, and uh, all these other, you know, negative connotations that we give the drug addicts. You know, he's a drug addict. The alcohol industry loved that stuff. They eat it up because they're, they're, it keeps the focus off them. The only time you really see, when's the last time you saw a commercial about the detriments of alcohol? Just alcohol itself, not drinking and driving. We always see those commercials around. And by the way, we only see those commercials around the holiday. Isn't that something? It's like the other days of, of the year, it's no big deal if somebody dies. But when it's a holiday, we really don't want to lose anybody. You know, it just it's just it's it's terrible. And I I await the day that we uh start to address the true problem in this country besides nicotine is alcohol. Uh alcohol uh has been around a long time, thousands of years. Uh it go. It's it's written about in scripture. You know, Jesus turned uh, water into wine, um, and at the the founding of this country. You know, the, if you've ever watched the History Channel, this is a true story that I I love history and I love to watch the History Channel and stuff like that. And uh, the founding of this country, they they the claim was on one of these programs was that the real reason why the Quakers landed on Plymouth Rock is because they ran out of alcohol. Now, for you to understand that, what that means is the one of the primary staples of life was alcohol back then. Way back, uh, water was not trusted. Water was viewed as becoming contaminated, uh, carrying uh, bacteria and so forth. And so alcohol was purified, right? Alcohol could keep for the long voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. So see, alcohol was viewed as the sustenance of life, right? 
Uh, children drank back then. You know, children were given a very weak form of alcohol, uh, like a cider, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of, of this country, when we started to build towns and houses and stuff like that, uh, alcohol in many cases was was used to pay wages. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, the Continental Army, one way that the George Washington kept the soldiers in line was to make sure there was enough alcohol. If you know anything about the Revolutionary War, the way they fought, uh, you know, basically blocks of men going against blocks of men head on, uh, your likelihood of living on the front line was pretty low uh, before a battle. I'd be drunk too, right? I'd, I'd be wasted the night before. This is your last day of life. So one of the ways that he kept the ranks uh, in order was to provide alcohol. And so you can read all about this stuff. It's a bunch of stuff I have in my head. Uh, but it, it, it it's the founding of our country. Alcohol is a basic thing, like baseball and apple pie. It really is. So how do we fight against this culture of of alcohol being just as wholesome as milk, right? Isn't that the way it's been projected on the commercials? Isn't that the way it's being portrayed? Is that this is just a wonderful thing? So this is what we got to go against when we're trying to relieve stress, when we're trying to slow down, reduce our anxiety. You know, when we're not drinking, if we're regular drinkers and we don't drink for a weekend, whether you abuse it or not, most people become uncomfortable with that. They feel a little bit of uh, anxiousness. And in psychology, we call that discomfort anxiety. And when I have discomfort anxiety, obviously, as a human being, I want to relieve that, right? I don't, who wants to feel anxiety? Who wants to feel uncomfortable? So our culture is one of, hey, if you have a drink, things will be better, right? And it does in many cases, and this is what we call stress relief drinking, many people, when they have a drink, it does. It relieves that stress. It relieves that anxiety. It works. It's a very effective medicine. You know, the problem comes is when we like it so much that we overdo it, that we keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And uh, when we overdrink, and that's how you meet George, right? <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, so, you know, this is uh, otherwise, if you would have never got a DUI, you wouldn't have like voluntarily said, I think I need to go to that drink tr- treatment center. I'm drinking too much. I don't think any of you were going to do that. Alcoholics that hit bottom, yeah, they finally reach out for help. But most people who have inter- uh, intermediate problems, uh, you know, some moderate problems with alcohol or substances, uh, they're most likely not going to do anything unless family pressures them into it, significant others or spouses. Uh, but the legal system always makes you do it, right? So so going back to what we're talking about, uh, people get uh, anxious, they feel uncomfortable, and so they use alcohol intoxication as a way of coping with that stress, with that anxiety. Um, when we overdo it, uh, we have consequences. So um, let me talk to you about something, what we call the demand for excitement pattern of drinking. Um, Again, we have a culture that says alcohol and drugs equals party, good times, fun, right? We have that culture in the backdrop. And then we have me or you having anxiety. And what's the other one that I talked about earlier? Boredom. 
Boredom is a big one. When I'm bored, how can I fill that time? And guess what? When I'm bored, what irrational belief system do I have? I demand excitement. I want to be excited. I can't stand being bored. And when we start to use absolutes in our brain like this, like I can't stand being without a party or having fun, once you start to get into those absolutes of words like I must do or I can't stand it, uh, things like that, uh, then you put yourself in a position to do irrational behavior. So it starts with irrational thoughts, and that leads to irrational behaviors. By the way, if you've recognized some of the language I'm talking about, it's called rational behavioral therapy, RBT, which is very effective in treating substance abusers and alcohol abusers and people with mental health issues or people who have uh, stress management problems. Uh, the other thing they call it is cognitive behavioral therapy. Look into it. If It's very simple therapy. It's kind of, I mean, it's good to have a therapist guide you through it. But if you read a little bit about it, it will help you deal with some of these irrational thoughts and irrational behaviors that we have. So the demand for excitement pattern is boredom, lack of excitement, right? Then I have a backdrop of the culture of drinking and drugging will fill that boredom, get rid of it, and give me that excitement. And then we have what we call a decision to drink, right? So we decide to drink because we know it will work, right? And so eventually what this does is it becomes a repeated pattern, and we have no other way of dealing with our boredom or lack of excitement in our life. Well, you have to start to challenge that. You have to start to look at yourself and how can I fill my day? How can I take some time out uh, with my children? Let's, let's go have fun at the park, stuff like that, to where you're doing positive things and you're not going to get that huge excitement of a party or a cocaine binge, right? You're not going, you're not going, <laughs> it's not going to be the same. These are moderate levels of dopamine that are being uh, uh, released in your brain when we do activities that are healthy for us. Um, <clears throat> and so, like I said, sometimes I like to, now I'm older, but I, I have got to a place in my life that just enjoying the outdoors, I said this, I know this is a repeated thing I'm saying, that's all I have to do is be outside. Just be outdoors and just listen to birds. Just something stupid like that gives me joy, believe it or not. Now, when I first quit drinking and drugging, no, that didn't happen. That was not the first thing I thought of. Let's go outside and listen to birds sing. Uh, I was bored. I was, well, I was angry too. I was very frustrated with my life. It was hard. I am not going to try to tell you today that this stuff is easy. Like, uh, oh yeah, you could just switch gears like that and drop this need for excitement and forget about everything our culture and our peer group feeds us that, come on, let's go out, let's have a party. I understand that. Um, but through incremental changes, through little baby steps, so to speak, you can get there. You have to change your habit at some point because if you don't change the person that you are when you first met me, you're going to go out and do it again. You you will you will probably drive again. Um, there's a pretty good likelihood of that because if if I'm abusing alcohol, going back to the beginning of this podcast, you know I'm impairing my judgment. I cannot realistically tell you what I'm going to do next. You can't. 
all of us have ended up in that strange place at the end of the evening or the next day, the next morning, uh, at pops or clubs or whatever. We that's nobody planned that at the beginning of the night. So um, I just want to tell you that uh, alleviating that anxiety can be done in a lot different ways other than alcohol. Uh, the long-term effect of, of the drug alcohol, or other drugs for that matter, is that sooner or later uh, you develop a frustration tolerance, what they call a low frustration tolerance. And so you become intolerable of being bored. And see how we get into absolutes again? You become, And so when you try to abstain, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to like, I really want to go out tonight, but I can't. George told me I should try something different. Stuff like that. When you approach your weekend, where you're, you know, if you're a weekend warrior anyway, you know, that's going to be frustrating. But I'm going to tell you something. Once you get through that low frustration tolerance phase of like, okay, I really want to drink, but I'm not going to give it to myself. Just because you feel like drinking, folks, doesn't mean you have to drink. You just feel it. You don't have to do it. Uh, so once you get through that, you know, basically that, that challenge of not drinking for the weekend, you feel better. Like this Saturday morning, me, I woke up early. You know why? Cause I'm not hungover. How many men and some women, but a lot of the guys say, man, I get so much shit done on a Saturday. Now that I'm not getting drunk on a Friday. Of course. Isn't that great? And that feels good. You know, so once you beat that, you go, hey, I made it through a weekend without drinking for the first time in months. That is an accomplishment and a reward. And your brain remembers that. You start to encode new tapes, so to speak, in your brain. You know, you're you're encoding new ways of routine, new routines that don't involve drinking. So we have to deprogram ourselves from this culture of pleasure of having excitement all the time, to I'm going to change it to something different, something more moderate, but will still give me enough pleasure and reward to where I want to do that again next weekend. So I, I hope I'm making sense to you. So that frustration, that aggravation, that agitation starts to go away as we abstain. But if we keep going back to it, that gets worse. It just takes time. It may take years. And I think everybody in here knows what I'm talking about. Because just try it. If you haven't stopped drinking while you're in my classes yet, you need to do that. You need to stop and see how you feel and see what frustrates you and what you're lacking. Otherwise, you'll never know. You'll ne- That's part of how treatment works. You'll never know until you challenge yourself. If you just do these classes for the sake of doing them because the judge in the court or whatever told you to do it, then that's what you're doing. And that's okay. I I don't judge you for that. That's fine. Um, I think I've told you before, I didn't want to go to treatment. But I also didn't want to go to prison. (laughs) It's pretty simple. (laughs) Clear-cut choice. And luckily, I still had a little bit of my uh, sense about me at that time to say, it's time to stop. Otherwise, you're going to go to prison or you're going to die. Or be in an insane asylum. That would have been another option. Um, not option, but another consequence. <clears throat> so, you know, and I'm telling you that once you get the reward of of 
of being able to abstain and make some changes, you find out why you wanted to drink in the first place. It's very important for all of you to learn why you drink in the first place. Why do I drink? Well, I have fun. That's the easy answer. But what else is deeper inside? What else is lacking? Because I guarantee there's probably something more than that. Okay? So that's usually the surface level stuff. I drink to have fun. I drink to be with my friends, so forth. But there might be something else, some some factors that lead us to the substance abuse. So that is the goal uh, for you to achieve while you're doing treatment. You know, discover why I drink. And uh, then you start to come up with solutions of how can I deal with these factors without drinking. Once I can do that, I'm on my way to freedom from this drug that really has no beneficial use. I mean... You know, I sound a little radical on that, but, I, you know, with truly non-problematic social drinkers, I shouldn't say that, but um, you get what I'm saying. For us, I think things need to be changed. I, I, I do think that uh, alcohol just gets way too much of a free pass, and again, as this is just as wholesome as milk. I love that one. I heard that from somebody else, by the way. That's not mine. It's like, it really has been marketed that way, right? You know it. it. It's been marketed that way. And I think we need to change that. As a society, we need to change how alcohol is being marketed. It, it, it's not right. Um, I'm not saying that advertising causes people to become alcoholics, but it has an influence. And all you got to do is remember the Budweiser frogs. That was not marketed for adults. Adults laughed at it, and then they had then they got a bunch of uh, slack, you know, a bunch of negative feedback from uh, parenting groups and stuff, saying it was targeting children. And so Budweiser finally succumbed to that pressure, and then they came out with lizards. <laughs> it's for those of you that are too young, you'll have to look up the Budweiser frog. You'll get a kick out of it. Uh, so they made commercials funny. Uh, they made them cute and cuddly, and that's obviously marketed for young people. It's obvious, and the alcohol industry will deny that to their dying day, but it is. And so, uh, uh, you know, the fact is we need to address that in our culture. We need to make changes. If we don't, I think we're going to continue to have these problems. It's going to continue to be a big, a huge cost to society and life. Um, I like I like where I'm at. And I hope that you can get to a place, too, to where you don't need to have this anymore. And for those of you that are not alcoholics, you know, it's nice to have a choice to drink. Uh, I envy you. I like that, that you have a choice to drink and then you choose not to drink when you don't want to. Simple as that. So you have choices. For those of us that are problematic or alcoholic like me, um, abstinence might be the answer. For me, for sure, it's abstinence. But, I mean, if you're a problem drinker, that in-between guy... Uh, you might want to consider it. So that's going to wrap up what I have for this podcast. I want to thank Amber again for kind of giving me a little motivation to just get up and do it. And uh, I hope you get something out of it and enjoy it. And until next time, uh, you have a good day and be good to yourself. Bye-bye.